What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome into the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download their app. Be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Happy Monday. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Joined by my guys, Big Dave, Bow, B-A-W-L Sports, and Will the Goat Gottlieb, Will underscore Gottlieb, our pal producer, Joey, behind the scenes. He's at Joey Spathis. We are CHGO underscore Bulls. lot to get to today, gentlemen. Uh... Lots of action over the weekend as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, moving from the conference semis to the conference finals, some of which could already reportedly affect the Bulls and their offseason plans. We will get to all of that. Uh, Some other interesting rumors about how the Bulls front office views their current situation on the eve of the NBA draft lottery, perhaps not all on the same page. But we wanted to start today, gentlemen, with what we did on Saturday, which was going to the media day for the launch of the One City Basketball League, the latest from Joakim Noah's Noah's Ark Foundation uh, in combined efforts with 28 violence prevention groups across the city of Chicago. Um, That was fun, wasn't it? (laughs) That was so cool to be there for that. It was really cool. And it was cool the way that they sort of held it like a a press conference or like a media day. Um, You know, it's a unique uh project organization that they're creating and that they're developing around like an actual basketball league and we can we can share some details about that but i just thought it was cool the way that they're treating it and um you know it's it's clearly something that's very important to joe kim and and important to the city of chicago and just violence prevention in general but um i just thought it was a really unique way of sort of going about creating this sort of project and um making sure that people know about it. There's awareness built around it. Yeah, it was, it was I'm trying to think of another word other than special, but I guess I don't have one. So I'll just say that it was special to see that it was really great. First of all, I haven't been in a ton of media rooms uh, in my life. So just to see that amount of black people in a media room was something that kind of took me by surprise in an awesome way. So that was awesome to see from number one for me. Um, but for two, they're all there for, you know, just a, everybody, you know, is there for a really positive reason, you know, trying to bring the city together and do something really great and holding up and uplifting, uh, Joe Kim Noah and Kobe and what their program is with one city and what they're trying to do. So that was the other thing that was awesome. Uh, meeting the people I met in there was really great. Uh, it was great to see, uh, people we haven't seen in a long time, like Steve, uh, from NBC Sports Chicago. I haven't seen him in a while. It was great to see him. Uh, Casey Johnson, um, to shake his hand. That's literally like my second time meeting Casey. And he was like, oh, no, man, we talked before. I was like, not really, Casey. <laughs> I was like, I don't really, I like, well, I don't really know you like that, bro. Like, like straight up. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. I was like, but I just, I really honor your work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really do honor what you do. Um, so that was great to have that experience too, to be able to talk to, Joakim and um yeah man it was just an amazing time just to hear what they're doing and to see how they're doing it and to see something that took so many years to formulate actually become real so 
I, I really enjoyed it. I really did. It was great to see, and I can't wait to support it moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Kobe, Big Dave. That would be Kobe Williams, uh, for those of you out there listening to Bulls yeah, Nation, in case yeah. you weren't familiar. He was there up at the podium with Joe Keem at the start of the uh, day's festivities, uh, and it was just really cool to hear more about their relationship, uh, a friendship that has also built into something that is sort of a, a philanthropy partnership uh, and, and that, you know, Joakim spoke a lot about how Kobe showed him the ropes just being in the city of Chicago, being a resident of Chicago and also a, an athlete with a platform in Chicago and how Joakim should best go about using that platform and how he can help. Um, Kobe Williams is a guy who does a lot of different work across different charities. He founded uh, Transform Justice. He's a director on the national level for Cure Violence Global and also does a lot of work with Joakim's uh, Noah's Ark Foundation. And uh, Will, when you were asking Joe Keem a question, it was cool. We all got to sit there and, and you know, ask Joe a few questions after the, the main press conference ended. And you asked him why he chose this. Of all the different philanthropic things he could get involved in, he chose this. Um, and uh, his answer, he talked a little bit more about getting that influence and, and that direction and guidance from Kobe Williams, their relationship. I thought it was really cool. Joey, can you play that audio from Joe Keem really quick? I met in Chicago. Like, this is the guy. This is a true hero of Chicago. Like, being able to connect with people from all around the city, that's rare. You know, everybody stays in their little side, you know, um, stays on the, in their little area. And, you know, he's able to ride around the city everywhere with uh, a lot of love and a lot of respect. So uh, I think it says a lot about the character of this man. And, um, I, th I think that it just happened, all this work just happened very organically. You know, um, social work has always been a part of who I am. Um, and, you know, big shout out to my mom and uh, I think the way she raised me as well. But I, I don't, I don't want to discredit this, this man right here. Just being, being around him is the reason why I'm here today. Really, really cool to hear Joakim talk about Kobe Williams that way uh, and everything he did to yeah. impact Joe's path through this, Dave. Yeah, and hearing how they, you know, they talked about how their friendship kind of came to be, how Joakim um, saw the documentary, uh, The Interrupters, um, which came out, if I'm not mistaken, like 2011, 2012, something around that, but mm -hmm. um, it was a really great documentary. If you guys haven't seen it, 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 was, it was really good. That was honestly the first time I saw uh, Kobe. And, it's, of course, I mean, you know me, man. I'm terrible with certain stuff. So when I saw him again, I was like, why don't I know you? <laughs> I was like, I remember your face. I was like, I can't place it. But, but yeah. Well, that's man, why you can never remember when I come to the studio. When, when who comes to the studio? <laughs> when I come in, you, you're always like, who is that guy? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, always try, I want to say Mr. Corver sometimes. Or I want to say Maverick. But, you know. I just realized it's the goat, and then I see all the people surrounding you asking you for your knowledge, and then I understand immediately who you are. But um, no, Kobe, man, and seeing their friendship and how it came together, and Joe said he saw that, and then got in touch with they got in touch with each other over social media. Another one of the great things about social media, you know, what I'm saying, is bringing people together like that. And I think he said they met have for dinner at uh, PF Chang's, I believe he said. Um, yeah, and having that, and then just that interaction, and. Just showing Joe, and it's funny because when Joe was talking, when he was talking about, when Kobe was talking about Joe telling him, when I retire, this is the stuff I want to do. And, like, I'm serious about it. Like, when I retire, this is what's going to go down. Like, telling him years ago, I for real said in my head, this is why Matt loves this dude. I was like, this is one of the reasons why. Because t saying something and then being a person of your word and then doing something amazing, you know what I'm saying? In the city, I was like, this is this is what part of part of the makeup as to why Matt loves this guy, because he is this kind of person. You know what I'm saying? This down to earth, this this uh, uh, respected, and somebody who just truly does want to help. So yeah, just hearing their story, Matt. Yeah, how they came together, and the friendship that has lasted this long, and he considers him a brother. Um, yeah, it, it was just cool to see. It really was. It was cool and special to see. Well, on top of that. And I think also part of the reason why Matt loves him is because he's not from here. He doesn't have to do this here. He's doing this because he cares about this city. He cares about 
the time that he's spent here and like the cause that he's fighting for and the people that he's fighting with. So um, I think that was one of the the bigger storylines coming out of that um, press conference or whatever you want to call it was just like how important this is to Joe Kim. And like, he, I mean, we got a chance to talk with him after he's like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be around. Like he's, he's not just like investing in this. He's not just like putting his name on the banner and then like going back to Costa Rica or wherever he spends his time. Like he's, he's going to be here. He's going to be a part of this. And he continues to be a part of the city, which again is not his hometown. And I think that that's really cool. I think that's why a lot of bulls fans really identify with him because he is, he's like assumed Chicago as being sort of this, this important place for him and this sort of hometown away from his real hometown. Absolutely. And, Dave, you kind of touched on it a little bit, the way that he and, and Kobe spoke about how this has been a long time coming and that he had talked about doing this stuff in you know his retirement years while he was still playing with the Bulls and saying, I'm going to come back to Chicago, I'm going to pick up, and I'm going to keep doing charity work here with you. And um, I asked Joe sort of to talk about this long process. He said it was 10 years in the making, this, yeah. the, the launch of this league, and asked him if at any point there were struggles challenges surprises that they faced that led them to that day the official launch of the league um and i thought his answer was really interesting and also very honest as far as what they and the city of chicago are facing and why they're doing this joey can you play that clip please Having a little trouble with this clip. Hold on here. Hold on. Got it? None? No? no? So, there's no issue there, Joe. All right. No worries. Um, uh, he says it's but not basically, working. Okay. Um, parap- I, I could paraphrase. Joe was saying in his answer that, like, you know, it's, it's great when you're doing these charity events and you see the smiles on people's faces and you see the positive <laughs> impact that comes with it. And that kind of, you know, motivates him to keep doing it but he he also faced the very real circumstances that's the the challenge facing them the challenge facing chicago is that there there is still a pretty prevalent violent problem uh in in the city of chicago and that they can't uh you know they, they can't ignore that as why it's the big reason why they're doing this is because there is a problem that they're trying to address I I don't think that there's been any surprises. I mean, there's definitely ups and downs. You know, it's definitely a a good feeling to have a tournament and see hope in people's kids and seeing joy in people's kids, seeing joy in people's faces. I think that that's always a great feeling. But, you know, the reality is the violence is still out of control. So it's always about having that that perspective and, um, and just using my platform to give voices to to the guys who are putting in the work every day that's really all it is mm. I, I love that yeah, i like that. i love and, yeah, and I joe, joe repeated that several times throughout the day's uh uh speeches and and his answers to various questions saying i i know my role to play here and i'm going to do that as best i can even though i don't really like being the center of attention and that's not why we're doing this I'm here to support and give a voice to these people who are the ones doing most of the work and the hardest work and not just on days where we have a media day and get media's attention, but the ones doing the the hard work on the days in between and every single day. Yeah, man, like him, him saying that and then saying he knows it's not what he likes to do, but he understands the concept of team. You know, mm-hmm. he understands what being a good teammate I is. That. I know. <laughs> I know you did. And it, again, it's stuff like that is why, you know, you love Joe Kim Noah is hearing those kind of things. Like, I don't like doing this. It's not my thing to do this. Um, I'm not comfortable doing this, but I know because of my standing and because of uh, who I am, what can help push this forward and what can help bring more eyeballs to this and what can help um, keep this going is, you know, me on this microphone talking, you know, doing what I do out here. So, yeah, I love that. I love that answer. I love that he understands that. Um, it was just, it was just really great. And I love they talked about um, 
of course, you know, I, when they talked about love and joy and all that stuff, because that literally was my only question was was to ask that. Because when I heard, I kept hearing that word from them um, about love, about love, about love. And him in that clip right there talking about joy and things like that. And that meeting that kind of, you know, violence with that kind of resistance is is awesome. You know, with when you're meaning it with that, because a lot of people sometimes meet that violence either with more violence or with a sense of uh, locking up or caging or, you know, just trying to stop or putting up uh, barriers. You know what I'm saying? To, to keep that violence. And that's what Chicago, that's why Chicago so divided and segregated, you know, and built like that. Everybody's trying to put up a barrier and wall and they're like, no. And uh, Kobe kept saying this. Everybody has to be involved in this. This, this is going to work. Like everybody's got to be down. West side, south side. You know what I'm saying? It has to be. East side, like everybody's got to be down. Some suburbs, everybody has to be down if they really want to do something about this, man. And the fact they understand that and are promoting that again just makes it one city, which is you know what they're standing on. Yeah, and I thought that was, I mean, I that was powerful for us too, because like you know, he kept on saying, like, everybody's got a different part of this, everybody plays a different role. Um, and my thought with that was like, well, we're here to be storytellers we're here to have conversations and to share this message so i thought that was kind of cool that we get to be a part of it in that way um and like it's it, at the end of the day it's it's basketball too which is i think part of the reason why he's building this league and just to sort of lay out some of the the details basically he's creating a 28 team basketball league with 14 teams on the south side 14 on the west side and they are going to be playing games against one another. There's going to be financial incentives. Um, they're going to be doing charity work in terms of food um, and, and um, you know, uh, help, help with families and stuff like that. So it's going to be, I think, really widespread. But um, using basketball and Joe Kim's platform to be able to share those messages and sort of spread the love that way. I thought was was really interesting. I think it's a it's a really cool project that you know you can definitely see why this thing will work, and also why Joakim is like really excited about it and interested in it, and why he's put so much energy and resources into it. Yeah, so many different kinds of energy and so many different kinds mm -hmm. of resources. I mean, you touched on it there, Will the the fact that they're going to have uh, mental health resources available to not only the players of the league but the families of the league, uh, family service is uh provided by the uh the daughters of the ark mo mothers of the ark la ladies of the ark ladies, ladies of the ark of the branch yeah. of the foundation um and that the coolest thing and, and they made sure to touch on this during the press conference when talking about all the different ways that they're trying to help the young men in this league is that basically everybody involved the coaching staff the people who are there doing game operations representatives across the one city foundation are all trained in handling, uh, uh, addressing trauma and trained in conflict re resolution. Right. So it's like everybody at the disposal of the people in this league can, can have access to people right there who are with them, participating in this league with them, who have that kind of experience that can be helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah, very helpful in, in a ton of ways. And even when they talked about um, bringing in fresh produce, you know, like getting involved with that kind of thing. That just lets me know that it's going beyond the actual basketball. They're trying to also help what you're putting inside of your body as well. You know what I mean? Like that's also therapeutic as well. That's also good. Um, art therapy, which is mm -hmm. something I had never even heard of until that day. I, I went after I left, I, I spoke to a young lady that I know and she, she broke it down to me what that meant. And I was like, wow. Like, because in my head, I'm just like, oh, well, you some drawings and things. She said, no, it's a little more expensive than that. And broke it all down to me about what it really is, man. And I was like, this really is incredible work that is about to go on here in the city of Chicago, man. And it's just really, it's just really cool uh, to see this happening and, you know, to just be there to, to see it going down, man. And I, I wish it nothing but success, man, which I think it's truly going to be. I think it's going to have just tons and tons of support. I know they've got all of our support. And it's just going to have tons and tons of, of support for this. And and speaking of that support, uh, you know, I asked Joe Keem you know, to relay 
any suggestions or directions he had as far as Bulls fans who want to support this in whatever ways they can because they appreciate, as Bulls fans, the fact that Joe Keem is still here in the city of Chicago doing something like this. Uh, and he said something very simple is you can go to the Noah's Ark website and buy yourself uh, a rock your drop necklace, uh, a teardrop necklace. There are a different variety of them that you can get for different prices. Those proceeds go to the Noah's Ark Foundation. You can also go to his website, noahsarkfoundation.org slash donate and you can pick and choose between different branches of the entire foundation uh and, and you know donate your money if if you're willing and able to different parts of what they do and one of the things that you could choose to donate to is basketball coaches and basketball leagues and i'm my assumption is that that's right where that money is going to and coming from for this one city project um so i also uh asked uh carly shout out to her by the way uh who is handling things on a pr perspective for for one city and was there you know herding cats on saturday she was very nice and welcoming to us um she said that she was going to get me some more information on uh if there are people in and around chicago who want to volunteer in in other ways uh and and help in other ways that she was going to get me that information uh asap but in the meantime if you want to help out monetarily and you are able to do so um, I, I encourage and welcome everybody out there in Bulls Nation who appreciate what Joakim Noah is doing with this One City League to go to his website, his foundation, noahsarkfoundation.org, and, uh, and give what you can uh, because it is a wonderful thing that he's doing for the, for the kids of Chicago. Rock your drop, man. Rock, Rock your drop. drop. There you go. Yeah. For those of you watching on YouTube, Joey just pulled up the website right there. You can see all the different ways in which the Noah's Ark Foundation is touching the Chicago community, all the different ways they are uh, creating change uh, for the better. So, um, yeah, again, super fun to be there. Thankful that we were all able to go. Uh, appreciate uh, Carly, everybody at uh, Sea Strategies, everybody at One City who was so welcoming to not only the media, but everybody involved. Um, shout out also to uh, Matt R. Appreciate you, buddy, for hooking us up. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back and dive into everything that went on over the weekend in the NBA playoffs, the drama involved, coaches getting fired, players getting mm-hmm. traded. There's a lot to get to. So we will do that coming up next. While we're taking a break, sharing friends, sharing words from our friends and sponsors, do us a simple favor. Hit that thumbs up button if you're watching along on YouTube. And, of course, make sure you are subscribed to that CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Big Dave, what do we got? Man, you know um... – Checking in with uh baby Joey, seeing how he was. You know what I mean? He told me he was chilling. Uh he said he was out he was out east this weekend. I was always doing out east, man. You know, he's like, I was at the game, you know what I mean? Uh watching Philly and Boston. Boston Garden, like game seven? Yeah, he was at game six first. He told me he was at game six, man. And he was like, and then I found out, you know, he ain't saying so many words. You know, there was a reason Jason <laughs> Tatum, you know, was acting like he was acting, you know what I'm saying? And then baby Joey. He went up to him in the fourth quarter and he looked at him. He said, Hey man, they ain't never understand Mr. Tatum. All right. They never understood, sir. And then you saw what Jason Tatum did after that. And then what he did in game seven. So I'm not saying baby Joey's the reason. I'm just saying they had a talk and he told him that they ain't understood. And Jason Tatum went out and showed him why, because they ain't get it. And Tatum ain't get it either. All right. They don't understand why you got to pay so much money to look so damn cool. Why you don't have to do it. You can just save you some money and still get you some premium polarized shades from the people at Shady Rays, that independent sunglasses company that offers that world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair you've ever put on your wonderful face. The durable frames, the extremely clear optics, those premium polarized shades at an affordable price for your outdoor, and as that man up there proves, your indoor adventures. And of course... The Matt Peck lost and broken replacements plan is always in full effect. Let's say you toss a hat and it goes snap because you got your glasses on that joint and you're upset about it. You're going to upset baby Joey too, but then he'll calm down because he'll say, I remember this is the lost and broken replacements plan. So you can send those broken glasses back in and get you a brand new pair. Y'all no questions asked. And if you don't like the style that you have, because you saw young Maverick Gottlieb had it on and you were like, I can look as cool as that. And then you realize you cannot. And then you say, well, I got to get me another pair. And then you send those back in. They will send you a brand new pair of the style that you want. As long as you do it within 30 days, no risk to you when you shop. So exclusively for the listeners out there, Shady Rays giving away that biggest deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the promo code CHGO. 
Get yourself 50% off of two plus pairs of premium polarized shades. Try for yourself. The shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people, y'all. Oh, because the shady rays. Well, the rays are oh so damn shady. So, Big Dave, I was actually with um, baby Joey and his parents last night for Mother's Day. His parents, cool, my sister cool. and, and her husband. He told and me I was that was important. To to them. Yeah, I was trying to explain to them that he has become a you know recurring character on the show and apparently mm-hmm. – Unbeknownst to any of us is having regular conversations with Big Dave about <laughs> picking up packages, getting Newport shorts from the store, he's talking to Jason Tatum. Like, and so this is all news to us. Every time I've seen him, he's pretty reserved, pretty quiet, plays it close to the chest. But I said, apparently he's living some sort of secret double life. Hey. And his name is also Baby Joe. So, hey, man, you know, he can't tell you everything that's going on. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep it low key. He don't want you to be involved with certain things, man. Plausible deniability is what he's all about. He's got a cell phone hidden somewhere in that onesie, and he's calling it's Big Dave right after. Burn a phone. Burn a phone tucked away, dog. In other countries, too. It's tucked away. Speaking where, languages. Where, where, where are you going? Where are you going, Uncle Joey? Don't you want to talk about a comment with me? Yes, I do. He's going to find a script. About ComEd, going to find the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. Well, I don't need a script for this. It's committed to helping families and businesses oh. in the communities that they serve. What do they do? Well, they help you manage energy usage and lower your energy bills now and into the future. That's mm. right, Uncle Joe. ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, and industrial processes. And industrial processes. Matt, how does it work? I'll tell you. An authorized engineer will work with you, or baby Joey, to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and your needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Then, within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on right away. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project Mm. cost potential incentives, and simple payback plans. If you own a business, and we know baby Joey does, don't wait. Mm -hmm. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering bins. What? Is that uh, comed.com slash powering biz? That's right, Joe. Comed.com slash powering biz, B I Z biz, to schedule your appointment today. <laughs> Y'all worry me that I brought that on this show now because every time I hear it, I was just like, what, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> we i i know no other way now that is the one and only way i understand man i have that effect i understand um, i never understood <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move along um <laughs> Conference semis came to a close yesterday afternoon when the 76ers decided that they were done playing basketball in the third quarter of that game, which was a three-point game at halftime, gentlemen. Um, Six-minute stretch in the third quarter when the 76ers scored zero points. Yowza. Meanwhile, Tatum went nuts. Highest-scoring Game 7 performance in NBA history as Tatum... Drops a 50-burger, absolute fire, crossover, Jays, step-back threes. The man was just unconscious. Meanwhile, Joel Embiid and James Harden combined for 24 points on 8 of 29 shooting and also combined for 9 turnovers. Uh This begs the question, is this the end of the Embiid-Harden Sixers? Go ahead, Will. I mean... Let me just start by saying that was an emotional beatdown like very few ever that I've seen. Like that was 
I mean, I felt like what, what's that meme where it's like, stop it, it's dead already. It's like a it's already dead. I felt that way like three minutes into the third quarter, which as you said, it was a three-point game at halftime. It was unbelievable. I, I like I was ready to turn it off. My dad is like for some reason very big Celtics fan over the last couple playoffs. He's like really pushing for them. I don't really care about who wins at this point. If it's, if they're playing against Jimmy, I will root against them. But other than that, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just like, it's a 20 point game. They got to keep putting their foot on the gas. Cause anything could happen. It's like, no, this Sixers team. I know the score is like only maybe 15 or something at this point in the game, but they are emotionally dead. They gave up. And I think if you are projecting a little bit, like, Whoever won that game, the other team was probably going to have some big changes this offseason, right? Like if the Celtics had lost that game with all the like, you know, Jalen versus Jason stuff that's been going on for years. And again, you come up short in the finals or the conference finals or whatever it is like it felt like they were kind of ripe to make some changes, but certainly not to the extent that this 76ers team and we've heard all year long about the James Harden returning to the Rockets rumors and things like that. Um, Embiid finally wins his MVP, but still has the same result in the playoffs, played terribly, and then said, James and I can't do it alone, which was like, dude, you just shot like six of 33 in a game seven. Like you can't, you can't talk that way. And Doc, who's had this reputation of never being able to, you know, come back from a three, two lead or a game yeah. seven. Like he just has not been able to get over the hump in those situations. That was Doc's I, ninth straight loss in a game that could have punched oh his team's God. ticket to the conference finals. Damn. It was bad. And I, I thought the Sixers were at a bit of a talent deficit. Like the Celtics are just so overwhelmingly good. Like one through eight, one through nine. Um, obviously like Embiid's probably the best player in that series, but he wasn't in this game. And I think that was yeah. probably the, the dagger in the coffin. So I would not be surprised if there are big changes coming for Philly, whether it's doc or James Harden or Embiid or all three, but it feels like something's got to give because that was, I mean, that was like the same as the Suns getting smacked by 40 against the Mavericks last year. Um, that was just, that was really, really hard to watch. First of all, shout out to the GOAT for just saying dagger in the coffin, because I kind of like that right there. So <laughs> I kind of dug that right there. That's that's he's dead, and you're definitely dead. I like that. You're out of there. I thought the entire game, I mean, honestly, early on the first half, the Sixers were playing a really good game. Um, the role players is what were playing good. PJ, game yeah. PJ Tucker went nuts. <laughs> went insane on them, man. Uh, Melton, like those guys were playing well uh, for them. And for me, everything changed on that fragrant foul call. Everything changed on that foul call. Um, they woke up Boston when when uh, Firkin Korgmaz reached and grabbed the knee of Jalen Brown. Everything Wasn't changed. It Niang, who did that? Niang. I'm yeah. sorry, Yang. Excuse me. Excuse me, Firkin. Future bull, Firkin Korkmaz. <laughs> bang bang um, Yang. Bang bang. So everything flipped from that point. Because after those free throws, the very next play was the alley-oop to, to Williams. It was the very next play. And then it's a two-point game. And the Sixers were sitting pretty for a while. They were looking good. And Boston was looking like I thought they would look. Which is why I picked Philly because Boston sometimes does not play up to competition. That They don't get hyped up for every single game. That's just not how they've been. That's not been their M.O. for years. That's not been their M.O. Um, but they were kind of sleepwalking through it. And then when that happened, everything flipped. And then Jason Tatum said, dude, I'm Jason Tatum. I forgot. <laughs> like, I am Jason Tatum. Did I not just humbly, tell y'all? I'm humbly, one of the best basketball players humbly, in the world. I'm, humbly. You know what I'm saying? He just said it to you after game six, man. And, then, and he just continued it on in game seven, man. And it was giving them just nothing but cold-blooded buckets. Some buckets were just so cold-blooded, man. And it was fun to watch that. But – you're right, Will. Philly just quickly tapped out after that, man. They were done. And I was like, they had no resolve. It was like yeah. everything that we talked about with the Bulls, but I totally agree. And <laughs> like the the Celtics are just like the kid in class who just is the worst procrastinator and doesn't start their project until Sunday night at 9 p.m. when it's due Monday morning. 
Like they just don't try until they absolutely need to. And I thought it was that play exactly. And then the flagrant foul where Harden kind of pushed off and hit Jalen Brown in the, in the nose and he was bleeding. Um, and they called the flagrant on that one. And it just lit the fire under the Celtics that they needed to win the series, which I mean, they're the better team. I don't think anybody like really disagrees, disagrees with that. They could have won this game, this series in like five or six games, but it took them seven and it, makes me question their ability to succeed at the highest level um, mm. much like they did last year. And, and I'm really excited for this heat series, but uh, yeah, I think, th- I think there are still questions about the Celtics, but clearly the better and more, um, you know, the, the team that was better equipped to respond to adversity won that series um, just kind of a depressing fizzle out and really like, they kept people kept on saying like disappearing act from James Harden. It was like actively hurting his team's chances. And Embiid was like not much better. Um, so I, I definitely feel like they they're up for some no. change here. So I, I think it was Embiid was five for sixteen or seventeen. Uh. And then and then uh Harden was like three for eleven or three for twelve or something, whatever. I mean, yeah, they were both they Embiid were both five bad. for eighteen, Harden three for 18. eleven. Yeah, there you go. Yikes. Oh my goodness. Um, speaking of teams that rolled over and died, uh, the Suns lost <laughs> on their home floor <laughs> in game six to lose that series to Denver. The Nuggets on their way to face the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals rematch of the Bubble Conference Finals, just like it is over in the East between the Celtics and Heat. Devin Booker, speaking of dud final acts, 12 points on four of 13. DeAndre Ayton didn't even lace him up because of Ooh. a rib contusion mm. um i mean I'm, I'm a cynical asshole but you may as well replace rib contusion with i'm a coward and i didn't <laughs> want to face the pressure of a win or seasons over game six um i look and now this is all of the can of worms that we're about to get into because as soon as the sun season was over they fired Monty Williams, never mm-hmm. win coach of the year. It only goes badly for you after that. <laughs> and people are now talking about the Suns breaking up this, uh, you know, book, Booker, KD, Aiden, CP3 version of the Suns. But why would you trade Booker? You won't. Why would you trade Kevin Durant, the guy you just gave up a lot of quality young pieces to get? You won't. Mm-hmm. So it's Aiden and or Chris Paul who are mm-hmm. probably out the door if the Suns try to change things up this upcoming off season. Uh, but before we dive into that, any either of you guys surprised by the way that the Suns went out in game six there? Surprised? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I guess I'd be a little surprised. I didn't think I didn't see another ass whooping like that coming after you just took one. I didn't think you'd go out like that again, but honestly, I think this was more about Denver. It's always been more about Denver for me guys uh, going into these playoffs. And I've talked about it a lot about their legacy, you know what I'm saying, and things that they have to prove now because hardware has been given out. And for me, you got to pay certain dividends on that hardware. This is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what they're supposed to do. This is what I wanted from Denver. This is why I thought they were the best team in the West uh, coming into the season if they were healthy because of this stuff. You know, they're just fluid and can do it from anywhere. And Jokic is the best of both worlds as a center, man, because he's an actual center who can do the the – the new age stuff, as they say, you know what I'm saying? The threes and bringing the ball up and the passing and all that stuff. Well, he'll go down in the, in the, in the hole and, and whoop your ass. He'll do that too all day and, and loves doing it. As a matter of fact, he enjoys it. So yeah, man, they're, they're a really tough, terrifying team. And I also want to say big, 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 big shout out to Aaron Gordon. Okay. Cause Aaron Gordon, his entire playoffs has been awesome for Denver in a way that I didn't think he would be awesome. That man was going up against Kevin Durant, all right, and was actually hanging with Kevin Durant, scoring-wise and defending. He was solid on in both of those things. I didn't see any of those bonehead plays. I know Aaron Gordon for doing bonehead stuff in, in Orlando. You know what I'm saying? I know him for that. You don't see none of that here. You know what I mean? He, he barely makes those terrible decisions that I'm used to him seeing, man. He has really grown and become almost like the heart of that team. He really has. So shout out to Aaron Gordon for playing how he's playing, man. But Denver is, it's about Denver for me, man. And they look really official. I think that they are just 
Okay, so they they clearly have like one of the best players in the league. Um, you can quibble about how he performs in the postseason, whatever. But like Jokic is obviously one of the probably top three at worst basketball players in the world right now. And I think that the Nuggets, credit to their front office, has optimized the roster around him in a way that makes sense more than just about maybe any other team in the league. They have put around him a ton of shooting, a ton of cutting, a, con- a ton of defense and switchability. And he has a co-star in Jamal Murray, who is a legitimate stud. Um, they've got elite shooting in Michael Porter Jr. and KCP. Um, they've got good depth. I think that's maybe their only weak point, but like Bruce Brown and Christian Brown off the bench have been really, really good. Jeff Green is like one of those guys that's going to come out of nowhere and give you a great game every once in a while. They're just like the perfect roster construction around a elite, elite, elite star Um, in an era where a lot of these teams like the Suns are going all out to get a big three or a big two and go all in that way. It shows you the value of building a complete and optimized roster and having depth and having two-way ability and having synergy in a way where people are playing off of one another and making each other better. So I think people have been underestimating Denver this whole season, myself included, but they, I mean, clearly look like the best team left standing right now. And I mean, it's always going to be fun to watch LeBron go against anyone because it's LeBron and AD has been playing out of his mind, but like, I can't see the Nuggets losing to anybody at this point. They're just playing out of this world. Out of this world. I just knocked on wood for them. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that, Will. Let's let's not jinx the Nuggets here. <laughs> we, all, we all want our friends over there at DNVR Nuggets to enjoy uh, beating the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, or at least that's me. I don't know if either of you are rooting for the Lakers instead of the Nuggets. I am all aboard that Nuggets train, baby. <laughs> um, all right, let's take one more quick break. When we come back, we'll dive more into this uh, – Report and speculation about Aiden possibly tied to the Bulls uh, this offseason. And then also some other interesting thoughts from the same NBA reporter who was on uh, 670 this morning talking about the Bulls and how the organization views their path forward. We'll get to all that coming up next. But first, Big Dave. People, you should look dope. That's the tagline. Foco, you should look dope. So put on some of that. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. And I, who is that from? I just told you. It is from FOCO. For show. The hoodies, the shoes, the signs, the bobbleheads, and everything in betwixt. It's spring. It's baseball season. Cubs are playing. Sox are playing sometimes. Aloha shirts you can put on when you go out there to the park. The straw hats, the polos, the bags, everything you're going to need to enjoy that baseball game. They will have it for you. And of course, when we are on set and you're looking behind us and you're saying, damn, that's some dope stuff behind y'all. Yeah, we know. Guess what? Foco. Foco hooked it up for us, man. So show them some love for showing us that love. And check out Foco.com. Click the link in the description below. And for all non-presale items, Use the promo code C-H-G-O and get yourself 10% off. Why? Because it's FOCO. For show. All right, y'all. So as the Suns were uh, licking their wounds, being eliminated, season coming to an end, there was a report from Sean Debeney of heavy.com that's currently where he's doing his nba writing he's been around uh nba media for a while and he was talking about what happens next for the phoenix suns he quoted anonymously an nba gm he was talking to after the suns got eliminated that nba gm said the following joey do you have that quote um the gm said it's a tough market for trading centers they are about to find that out the team that might be the most interesting getting into that mix is Chicago. And I've heard he's on the list, at least. A lot still depends on the NBA lottery. Again, that is sure. a anonymous NBA general manager via Sean Devaney, heavy.com. Gentlemen, what were your thoughts when you saw this report? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead, man. Um, I mean, I think it's sort of one of those, like, 
one plus one equals two kind of reports like uh, this team struggled. This team has a situation at center that they need to resolve. And so why don't we make up a trade that works between those two? Um, I don't want to like necessarily discredit the reporting, but it's, it's not, it doesn't seem like a real story to me. And I think that's why it's not like report bulls have been in talks with sons to trade for center Deandre Aiden. Right. It's like, Oh, this, this could work for both teams. You know, Deandre Aiden, clearly needs to get out of Phoenix and the bulls clearly need to figure out what's going on at center and get younger and more talented. So maybe this works. Um, I don't know how I would necessarily feel about Aiden. I, I definitely think he needs a change of scenery, but um, I also don't really feel like he helps the bulls all that much. Is that crazy? And neither does necessarily sign and trading Vooch and somehow probably throwing in additional pieces, getting Aiton back, right, Dave? I mean, I, I don't know why the Suns do that either. Well, I think the yeah, Suns started started jump in, Dave. But like, I think the Suns are ready to get off of Aiton. He's on a thirty two and a half million dollar a year contract. I think they want to get out of that. And we've seen um, the new owner Matt uh, Ishbia come in and make some big changes mid season. He took over right before the deadline. They went all in for Durant. And then they just traded Monty Williams. And I think in this report too, from Devaney, um, he seems to be in control of basketball operations. So who knows what he wants? I think Vooch probably helps them um, at least offensively, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what the package would look like. And, and I'm not sure, but anyway, sorry, sorry, Dave, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, even beyond the package, let's talk about the actual player, because I think that's what Bulls fans are kind of looking at more. And, for me, you know, I I think he's incredibly talented. I've said this a million times. Like, he's incredibly talented, man. He's one of the softest touches on the center I've ever seen. Like, when that dude's engaged, like, I, he's special. He really is, has some special skill. The problem for him is it's all upstairs. It's all stuff going on mentally, you know, with him. This is the wrong city for that. <laughs> this is the wrong city for that. For the what he's doing, you cannot do here. You know why Scottie Pippen got away with it? Because it was Scottie Pippen. Because Scotty Pippen was out there, damn, the collapsing on the floor with back injuries, knee injuries, you know what I'm saying? Gave his all, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, to be on the floor. The man sat out a playoff game because the play wasn't drawn up for him. You know what I mean? Like, he wanted, he wanted to play. Like, that's why I worked for Dennis the same way. Like, they'll tolerate that stuff if you're giving your all and showcasing it on the floor and you're winning. You can't throw these kind of tantrums and not be winning on the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then be getting pumped on the court because Jokic worked him on the court, brother. Worked him <laughs> out, clean out. All right. So you can't be doing those things, having that attitude and doing it here in the city. It won't fly, man. Fans will hate this immediately. All right. They, they, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for him. So do I want him because of the talent? Yes. Do I think it will work here because of that? No, because of that mental makeup, bro. It just, I don't see that mental makeup working here uh, in Chicago. Can you? I can just see the argument between him and Daylon Terry. I can just see it. You know what I mean? Like, because Daylon's like, dude, we got to get back and get up. And what do you mean get back? Man, I'm going to sit down. No, bro, it's over. Then it's over. You know what I mean? Because they're not going to be on – Not fans are not going to not be on Daylon Terry's side. They're rolling with him. So – and he probably be right. <laughs> you know? So – but bottom line of it, Aiton's skilled, but I think this isn't the right city for him with what we've seen him do. But he does need a change. Will is absolutely right. Like, he definitely needs a change of scenery. He can't still stay in Phoenix after this is, what, his third time doing something like this over the couple of years he's been there. So, and and it's all been in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Oh, and do this in the playoffs here? Oh, my Lord. Like, oh, my God, no. No, it, it would be a bad look. And that's uh, why it's like, who, Sorry, who ahead, else is going to trade for him? And I think that's why the bulls are in these reports too, is like, he's not a player that it seems like everybody's going to be chomping at the bit to go get. He had one offer last year in restricted free agency. And granted that's because not a lot of teams had money, but for the bulls, it's like, they clearly need an upgrade. They clearly need something new. They need change. Aiton needs change. And the, the Suns probably don't want him anymore. So let's see right. if we can make something out of nothing. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the Bulls front office stuff, it also came from Devaney this morning. Um, worth noting in that same column, he mentioned that 
because the Suns aren't necessarily looking to prioritize spending big on another center if they do trade Aiton, that DeMar might be a name that makes more sense if the Bulls and Suns engage in trades this summer. Which to me is actually kind of funny too, because it's like, do the Suns really want another aging, like mid-range shooter? Like they've they've got Booker, they've got KD. Like I, I don't, I don't know. They're cornering I don't know if the market. Helps them. I guess they're cornering the market. Um. So so that's that. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on it if we hear anything more substantial uh, as far as the Bulls and Suns engaging in those talks. I think I'm kind of uh, in line with what you're saying, Dave. He is a, a, a great talent. But I, I worry about this stuff. I mean, there's a reason yeah, I made a joke about him not having a rib injury, but not wanting to play in game six because I think you called him a coward, Matt. <laughs> I, did. I think that's what you said. <laughs> I did I did call him a coward. And I will stand I will stand on that. As someone who does not play in the NBA and does not deal with that pressure. <laughs> you would give you would give your legs for it though, sir. I know you would. <laughs> Damn right. Uh okay, so Sean Devaney, who's just causing Bulls fans headaches. I guess that was his goal uh, between uh, the weekend and Monday morning. He was talking on Mullion Hawes' show, 670 this morning, about the Bulls and how they are proceeding to move forward and whether or not everyone within the Bulls is on the same page about how they proceed this offseason. Joey, do you have that quote from Devaney this morning? I think there's two mindsets within the Bulls organization right now. One is we've got to keep this together. We're... We we were pretty good when everybody was healthy. We've just got to get to let Lonzo Ball come back. The other faction is this isn't working. Even when we had Lonzo, we weren't that good. There's no guarantee Lonzo is coming back. So we've got to go out and do something aggressive. Again, that is Sean Devaney on 670 Monday morning. My first reaction when I heard this was, who the hell is still thinking that Lonzo's coming back? And I'm sorry to say that so abrasively and sarcastically, because I still feel horrible for Lonzo Ball, the human being, who yeah. wants to come back. But this surgery, this cartilage replacement surgery that we heard he had uh, as the Bulls season was coming to a close, only one other NBA player has ever attempted to come back from, and they played zero NBA games after having that surgery. Career over. Yeah. So I, I don't know how plugged in Devin might be and who he's hearing this from, but if there is anyone within that Bulls organization who has sway in meetings, deciding the fate and the future of this organization and its direction, who is still trying to bank on, well, let's hope Lonzo comes back and, you know, hashtag continuity because Lonzo, oh my God, my, my eyeballs exploded into burning balls of fire when I heard that because it makes no freaking sense. I'll, I'll let you take this one first, Dave. Why did they explode the burning house of fire? Like, oh, oh my god! Oh, Matt Peck, you're one of a kind. Um, yeah, but your sentiment is is pretty on point. Like, nobody should really be thinking in this way uh, in the organization. I don't, when I heard it, I was just like, yeah, but what is that? It was very broad. Love somebody in the organization, and I was just like, it eh, eh, really could be anybody feeling that or saying that, and that's fine, but. From the outside looking in, and I mean, we've seen it, you know, like I don't think they should be banking on Lonzo Ball uh, coming back this season when they have absolutely no clue. So waiting another year is wouldn't be the smartest thing to do. One, because if you're banking on Zach Levine, you're not going to waste more years of a player's prime waiting, you know what I'm saying, on a player to get back. Like, that's just not what you do in the NBA. You know, it's going to have to move on. So. But it, I understand if somebody might want to believe in that, and that's cool. But I hope it's not somebody like Matt said with with some real sway uh, in this that can really sway this uh, moving forward. But yeah, but changes are gonna have to be made, you know, for the team. Bottom line of it, man. Like you can't wait on Lonzo uh, to get back. Do we want him back? For sure, absolutely. Who doesn't? We saw what this team looked like for him. But the problem is, we saw it for half a season. And we've seen a full season and a half and a full season and, and a third of what it looks like without him. And going forward into the next season, that's what you got again. So regardless if you want to wait for Lonzo, that's what you have again going into next season. You know what I'm saying? So you have to make these changes, man. Like these changes are unavoidable. You have to make these changes and get yourself a point guard in here uh, for this team because you see how clearly better they are with one. You saw they were better with a bottom of the barrel one. You know what I mean? With one they just picked up off waivers who was competent. They look better with that. So, yeah, they have to get a point guard, man. They cannot sit around and wait for Lonzo. 
Okay, so on uh, March 16th at 3.15 p.m. Central Time, Shams Charania reported that Chicago Bulls guard Lonzo Ball will undergo a third surgery on his left knee that is expected to cost him most of, if not all, of the 2023-24 season. So if you are operating under the reporting that Shams put out there, which it's Shams, so I think we can effectively assume that's the truth, he's not even going to play next year. So if you're holding on to that, you're basically throwing away another season after throwing away one last year. So you're throwing away two complete seasons in a row just to hold on to hope that if Lonzo is able to come back in two years, two and a half seasons later, that he will be able to, one, get to the level that he was playing at during the 2021 season, 21-22 season, um, and that everybody else will be playing at that level too. Meanwhile, you have to re-sign Nikola Vucevic, re-sign DeMar DeRozan after next year, both of whom are going to be 35 and 34 at that time. Mm. Um, I mean, if you were to operate this way, and I'm not saying that they will, I, I'm, I, I would be absolutely stunned if, if people are actually feeling this way. But to operate that way would be like as irresponsible... Uh, a way that you could operate in the NBA. I mean, that that would just be outrageously bad. Um, and I don't like, I don't call for people to be fired very much or like um, slander people's name or whatever as people, but like that's a you fireball offense. If you're throwing away two, four, two and a half years of basketball for hope that a guy who's had three surgeries can come back and play at a high level while mortgaging your future even more to bring back mid 30 year old former all-stars. I mean, that is just, that is just outrageous. Um, and I will say this, I'm not sure that this reporting suggests anything more than kind of a similar situation to the Aiton thing where it's like, well, some people think the bulls are, should make some changes. And some people believe that they were good when they were healthy. Like, Probably that doesn't, that doesn't like tell you which way they're going to go. It just lays out the two pathways, the two options. And I'm sure the bulls are having trouble deciding what to do. And I think part of that is because they don't have a lot of options because they backed themselves into a wall. So I think really what this tells you is that the bulls don't know what they're going to do yet. And we already knew that, but to operate it as if Lonzo is going to come back and save the day two and a half years later, I think is as bad uh, a way that you can operate as there possibly is. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. The the other thing that that might be worth mentioning as far as how Devin, was describing it from his perspective, from what he has, you know, gleaned, uh, heard, et cetera. He said in that interview with million hall that he believes there is quote more power end quote behind the keep it together plan. So if there is some sort of internal debate going on within the Bulls organization, the Bulls boardroom right now of where do we go from here, that even if you want to take Lonzo Ball out of the equation, that sounds like what you have been fearfully anticipating, Will, which is hashtag continuity and that they're going to run this back. They're going to bring Vooch back on a more modest veteran contract. They're going to keep Kobe White as a restricted free agent and basically – that's the team. Not a whole lot else to do. Not a whole lot of other cap space to use. Fringe signing here or there with part of a mid-level exception. So Devin's saying that from his perspective, he believes there is more power behind the keep it together plan. Even if that keep it together plan does not involve having Lonzo Ball at all next season. Really frustrating. Really frustrating for Bulls fans to hear that if that is indeed the truth. But my my oh dear god hope is that nobody who is vouching for advocating for the keep it together plan the hashtag continuity plan is in any way using lonzo ball as a reason to do so because there is no excuse for that at this point they have to call a spade a spade and i think that's a good point because really like the clear way to put it is the bulls don't have a lot of options here. So using that as an excuse is an excuse to not do anything. 
it's not a good excuse. It's not a legitimate excuse. It shouldn't be an excuse, but it is an excuse. And I think that is going to be the cover story for why they don't do anything, assuming they don't do anything. It's frustrating and I think it's irresponsible, but what else can you say? I mean, what else can you go up on the podium at, at in October, September, whenever media day is and say, we kept the roster together. You're not going to say because we didn't have any other options. We didn't want to reinvest resources into an aging group. You can't say um, we didn't have any money. We didn't have the ability to make any trades. So we didn't. They're going to say, we feel like we can still be better. We showed signs of growth down the stretch of last season. We showed signs of growth from when Lonzo went out and things totally fell apart through last year. And now we're hoping to build on that again. Again, I don't think that's true. I don't believe in it. And I've made my feelings about the direction that I think this team should go very clear. But I can see that being an excuse. And I think that's why this reporting is coming out to show that the bulls don't have a lot of options and that this may be the cover story for why they don't do anything. I'm going to add to that. That's it. I'm furious. Okay. I'm furious. Uh, yep. I'm furious. All right, guys, before we get out of here, um, big day tomorrow, maybe the bulls, uh, bleak looking future will brighten. If they get really lucky, the NBA draft lottery takes place in Chicago tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Um, what, uh, se- 7 o'clock uh, Central Time, Will? Is that correct? Or 6 o'clock? 7. It is, it is airing at 7 p.m. Central Time. 7 p.m. Central Time. And, Will, tell the people where you will be. I will be there. I will be at the lottery. Um, I will be there. With, uh, with fingers crossed that the Bulls get lucky. Um We'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Obviously, we know the odds are really small. Um, I'll, I'll read them through right now, but uh, 1.8% chance that they win the lottery, 8.5% that they move into the top four and keep their pick. Otherwise, it's going to the Magic. So odds are very slim, but I will be... So the way that this works is that they do a drawing on the air. They show the cards. They pull them out of the envelopes. So they say, uh, Pistons got the first pick. Uh, they count down. So it's Raptors, then Pelicans, whatever. But the real drawing takes place about an hour beforehand in a private room where they take your phones and your Apple watches and your iPads and computers, and they don't let you bring in any recorders that could transmit the results to the outside world. They sequester you in this room with a representative from each team and they do the real drawing. And then they give that those uh, results to Mark Tatum to display on TV. So that is a private room that happens about an hour before what you'll see on TV. And I will be in there uh, with my hands on my, sitting on my hands, waiting to, to see the results and then um, watching the ensuing madness as <laughs> some, some executive decides to lose his mind because they just won the sweepstakes to Victor. Indeed a flex. Are Will the Go Gottlieb going to be sequestered in the lottery drawing room? Unfortunately, I won't be able to share the results until where it happens. Yes, I love this for you, Will. Oh my God, I wonder what the nerves. I love the lottery, so this is this is really fun. Tensions in in that room has just got to be crazy. Oh my God, seriously, it's gonna be Uh, crazy. So while Will is at the NBA draft lottery in the room where it happens. Dave and I will be at our CHGO studios uh, downtown doing a live show reacting to the draft lottery results as they unfold. So yes. tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock Central Time, as the lottery is getting underway, we'll hit go on a live show Tuesday night from the studio. Hopefully at some point after the results are all out uh, and he's done any and all of his other media duties at the, com- uh, at the uh, lottery, Will can hop on remote uh, and join us to give his two cents and his story as far as how things unfolded. Uh, but so that is the plan for tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in 7 o'clock Central Time. Draft Lottery starts. CHGO Bulls live reaction to Draft Lottery starts simultaneously. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, do we have Do we have time? Do we need to get out of here, Joey? I know you mentioned you wanted to do a Tankathon spin real quick. Maybe a little bit of luck before we go into tomorrow. Me, we have time. 
I'd say we have time. Let's do it. I always have time for a tankathon spin. Hold on. Let me pull it up here. No, we're doing it. Here we go. I am not jumping into the top four. (laughs) We can save that luck for tomorrow. Are we ready? Ready as we'll ever be. Let's do it, baby. Hey, and there are not the Bulls. And not the Bulls again. There you go. There you go. Hooray! Tomorrow. Pretty sure that's how it's going to go tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, you could have kept that to Uh, yourself. (laughs) You got to tell us now. Not in positive. Case the unthinkable I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, so uh, we'll have a wonderful time at the lottery tomorrow. Hopefully, we will talk to you on the back end of tomorrow's show. In the meantime, make sure you're following Will on Twitter to get um, his tweeting leading up to being sequestered and then immediately following Will underscore Gottlieb. Big Dave is a bow, B A W L Sports. Bow. Our pallet producer, Joyce Bathis, is at Joyce Bathis. A Bulls underscore Peck. We are CHO underscore Bulls. Hit that like button if you're watching along on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to CHGO Sports, our YouTube channel. And we will talk to you tomorrow night at kickoff of the NBA Draft Lottery. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you, Red. Be good.